Hello, Bob here. Now, I have trouble using words like branding and rebranding, non-ironically. However, the fact is that my podcast, The Right Show, is about to undergo some rebranding, and so is Blogging Heads TV, the YouTube channel that the video version of the show appears on. So I thought I'd give you a heads up. Starting in late June, the YouTube channel will be called Non-Zero, and so will the podcast. Now, technically, the podcast will be called Robert Wright's Non-Zero, so you'll find it under R in any alphabetical list of podcasts. Meanwhile, my Substack newsletter's name will not change, and since its name is already Non-Zero, that means that we are witnessing a case of brand unification. Three brands are becoming one. My content is becoming less confusing in at least this one sense. So what does this mean for you? Not that much. If you already subscribe to the YouTube channel or to the Right Show podcast, you'll be automatically subscribed to the rebranded version. And by the way, if you're not already subscribed to both, you should take remedial action immediately. And make sure you're subscribed to the Non-Zero newsletter, too. Now, I have to say, I will be sad to see the name Blogging Heads fade into the background. I started the Blogging Heads TV website in 2005, along with Mickey Kaus and Greg Dingle, and I will always be proud of our vast and rich archives, which, by the way, will still be available at www.bloggingheads.tv. And actually, for the time being, new content will be posted there in addition to on YouTube, so the site won't immediately turn into just some kind of museum. Speaking of Mickey Kouse, the Friday podcast I do with him will still be in the right show, that is the non-zero podcast feed, and the paywalled after podcast podcast I do with him each Friday will still be available at patreon.com slash parrotroom and also available to paid subscribers of the non-zero newsletter. And I very much recommend the parrot room. So I close with this guidance. If you see something called non-zero and you don't already subscribe to it, subscribe to it. And if you want to rate and review and click the like button and stuff like that, so much the better. Thanks. And I will see you soon in non-zero land. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How are you doing? Okay, you'll never get this one. <laughs> You're about to show me a picture on an iPad. Uh, doesn't ring a bell. I can't see it very clearly, but it's a guy with a mustache. It's not me. It's not you. It's some other guy. Who is it? Uh, it's Professor John Hart Ely, who was uh, a prominent law professor in the late 70s and who was the guy who uh, had the balls to blow the whistle on Roe versus Wade immediately after uh, the decision came down. He cranked out a law review article that uh, was fairly impressive because it. Uh, it basically made the basic case that, you know, what every law professor sort of or what half of them sort of feared, which is the court's gone too far this time, 
we've been screaming that they've been departing from the Constitution, but this is the real thing. Uh, and I, I, I do want to read the last paragraph. Uh, it is never, this is about Roe. It came out like a month after, a couple of months after. So this the, is like 1973 
uh, of kind of values. What do you mean? What do you mean that state legislatures well, wouldn't win respect? So you, you, if you were on the Supreme Court, you would, uh, I gather, vote to say that uh, states can ban gay sex and imprison gay people for being gay. You would say that's okay for states to do. No, nobody. You can't imprison people for being gay. The no, but you're is, saying you in ban, your world, you can, could. the question is, can you? You know, you would force them to be celibate. Uh, well, what, wait, wait, wait. What's the punishment for celibate? not being? What's the punishment for not being celibate? The punishment for not being celibate would be whatever punishment the legislature. Yeah, like says. going to jail. That's what I'm talking about. You are saying that no, if you you're not punishing them for being gay. You're punishing them for engaging oh, in for gay sex. Oh, for acting like they are gay, like yeah. by being gay. It's like it's like it's like you would. I'm not. I'm not advocating this. This is a pretty extreme position. But uh, no. But just to be clear, if you were on the Supreme Court, you would vote that states have a right to imprison homosexuals if they engage in homosexual activity. That's what you're saying. I think that's what I'm saying. But they also have a right to imprison <laughs> straight people for engaging in sexual activity. They have a right to ban sex. Okay. This is a democracy. If the people want to ban sex, they can ban sex. See, this this is what I mean. I think beyond a certain point, that's what I'm saying. Beyond a certain point, if if states get, you know, sufficiently crazy, I want a Supreme Court that can get a little creative if necessary in its constitutional interpretation and assert the existence of natural rights and so on. Um in order to keep things from completely going haywire. Well, but, that's pro that's probably what would happen. The gay marriage, the gay sex thing is weird because it went back and forth. In other words, they at first they, at first look, they didn't ban it, then they banned it. Blah, 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 blah. Look, I'm anyway. I, we can move on. I've got the viral clip of you saying that you <laughs> would vote to ban to All put sex. homosexuals in prison. All sex, put everybody in prison. Okay, that's their big improvement. Um, um, the. Uh, so, so anyway, look, the, the, I mean, the, you know, we've talked about this. We, we've talked about this a billion times about, about the fact that, yes, it's dubious law. I mean, let's to me, what's interesting about the last couple of days is the way the, the combination of the two cases, uh, the gun case and this reverse the polarity politically. Republicans no longer have the energy of Roe, the political energy to drive them. And now Democrats have. This gun thing, which I think they should turn into their row personally, uh, to drive them at the polls. I, I think politically, I mean, they'll also be tempted to use the reversal of row for political energy and say, we're going to elect uh, senators who will give us justices who will restore row. I would rather see them uh, emphasize this gun case, which if people aren't paying attention, uh, you know, the, the Supreme Court basically said states don't have a right to say you can't carry a gun in public um, or that you need a license to carry a gun in public concealed or, or open or whatever. Uh, I, would, I would rather Democrats focus on that. Uh, just, I mean, just in terms of political tactics, uh, because I think it's a, it's a new form of energy. It's something that's, uh, I think in a way, probably doesn't, generate as much counter energy from the Republican side in terms of driving people to the polls. I don't know how many Republicans, you know, really ardently object to a state being able to regulate the carrying of weapons in public. Um, 
I, I think that's a decision that that Democrats should really raise a ruckus about. I mean, as for Roe, they should obviously politically organize at the legislative level, state legislature, federal legislature, whatever. But um, I think these two days have been very interesting in that way. They do point in that direction. Uh, there was also a church state decision that was sort of the third part of this. What did, what did it decide? Uh, the, oh, that the, the, about you, the su subsidizing the If you, if you, if, the if you subsidize of, private schools, you can't exclude religious schools, even if they make religion a central part of their curriculum. Uh, the I I still think Roe is you know organizing around abortion is a very sturdy uh, tactic for the Democrats. There's a pretty firm ma majority in the country in favor of uh, choice, at least at some level, at some stage of the pregnancy and uh early stages and uh you know that we now have a battle in every legislature where it matters if you're a democrat or a republican uh and the democrats are on the winning side that's also true at the national level the, the danger for the democrats is that they will overdo it as they usually do and they will produce a bill like the one they produced recently to allegedly codify roe that in fact uh you know did not codify Roe, which has the trimester system, and then it got changed into a viability system, I guess. Um, uh, but it allows for regulation during the final stages of pregnancy. Uh, and uh, they, they wanted to eliminate all of that. So it was like uh, right to have an abortion from start to finish. And there is not public support for that. So the Democrats will probably overdo it and blunt their advantage. And I don't know how big the advantage is compared to the other problems uh, besetting the voters, but it's a big one. Uh, you know, in, in, in an era of crime, it's a little hard to, uh, it's harder to press the right, you know, the right to carry a gun to protect yourself is not there. Uh, well, wait a second. I mean, wait, it, 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 you're saying it's harder to make the Republican side of it, the, the conservative side of this? No, it's hard. It's harder to make the Democratic side than in an era when oh, you can I count on the police to block crime. Uh, well, wait a second. I mean, the, one of the problems with what the Supreme Court has just done is that it takes away from states the right to create an environment where a cop can stop somebody, and if they've got a gun, they take them to jail. That's actually an effective law enforcement tool. Okay. Uh, that's a very good point. The question is, do you still have to have a permit to carry a gun? I guess not. Uh, well, well, keep in I, mind I mean, that the New, New York, the state, the statute they struck down said, we'll give you a permit only if you have an extra special reason to fear right, for your life. Right. Not, not just the ordinary fear for your life you have as a citizen in New York City. Uh, that's correct. And, but you, couldn't you have a permit system that was like a dog license, which is everybody gets one? but you still need a permit and the cops could still bust you if you didn't have this permit. I don't know. I mean, but you tell me, do you think cops are happy with this ruling? Do you think cops are happy now that they can't stop somebody in New York and say, you've got a gun, we're going to have to take you downtown? No, they may not be happy. They may not be. I, and I, I think Democrats should harness that fact. Uh, on the other hand, the uh, Democratic constituencies are very much opposed to the stop and frisk policies that relied on this. They can, they can finesse that. They can finesse that. The point is, uh, you know, they basically got the cops on their side here. 
I mean, whether or not you have a stop and frisk policy per se, if you stop somebody for speeding or something and you, and you see a gun or you stop them because they're punching someone and they have whatever, there are all kinds of cases where it's not stop and frisk, but you stop somebody. And if the cops find a gun in right. that situation, they'd like right. to be able to take right. them off the streets. And I wonder I how, like them to be able I wonder to. how much of this is a New York centric problem because in many States, uh, most States, I believe you can, you, you just have a, you can carry a gun without a permit. So that's nothing. Uh, well, wait, are you saying this ruling? Uh, well, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, in yeah, Texas, I don't, I don't want that in Texas, if the cops stop you and find a gun, you haven't violated the law. They can't I do know. anything. Right. And yeah. I don't want to live in a state like that. I don't want to live in a state where if I'm waiting for a bus and some guy says, Hey, I was in line ahead of you. I might look down and see that he's got a gun. I just, I just don't want that. I just don't want that kind of, uh, you know, public environment. I don't want to think maybe he's got a gun concealed and I don't want to look down and see one in a holster. I, I want to, I want to have my, you know, if you, if you have uh, disputes with people, I want it to be where nobody has a gun. I, I just, this is fucking crazy. Well, that's, there's a huge empirical argument uh, over whether states that have concealed carry are safer or not safer. Uh, I, I think, I think that there's a substantial bit of evidence not all of it produced by John Lott that ar argues that uh, that shows that they're safer. I mean, this kind I mean, of there, thing there is, is an there is an argument that if you're scared that anybody has a gun, you're really polite to everybody, right? I, I'm not aware that's, of a. I, the, I, 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 this is such a hard thing to get at empirically, where there's no, you know, there's no laboratory version of the experiment, so you've always got well, a billion different variables. Different, at play. But there are fifty different states, and if there's a clear trend, you would. Well, yeah, but I mean, the states, there's so many things that are correlated with the laws themselves in terms of the demographics of the states. Right. I think it'd be interesting to see what the police, uh, police interest groups say, because they tend to be pretty right wing, and, uh, you know. The right wing position is. Uh, well, I mean, when the amendment. NRA wanted to allow cop cop killer bullets, the cops were pretty clear about that. Well, yeah. Well, that's a slightly more extreme case. Yeah, uh, more clear. -cut. In general, in general, cops hate any vigilante action, uh, and and this certainly encourages vigilante action. So, um, no, I mean, I feel the, energized, like politically, the, like you we got to get these clowns out of here. Uh, I mean, the gun thing. I mean, the, the main objection I, I, now on the row front, is it true that both Kavanaugh and Gorsuch said in their uh, hearings under oath that they considered Roe settled law? That's been as far asserted. as I can see, Kavanaugh didn't say that. Uh, I, I suspect that it's one of those things where if you take the clips out of context, it looks like they lied. But if you um, in fact, I mean, they were very well coached. They knew they wanted to overturn Roe. So it's hard to believe that they just flat out lied. They may have said, you know, uh, it's, it's an important precedent. Of course, when before we overturn precedent, we have to be very careful. But it's, it's an important settled precedent. Uh, that would be different than saying we're never going to overturn it, right? Well, the gun thing, there's just so many things about it that are annoying. I mean, how is it the conservative thing to do to deny states this autonomy, A, B, to uh, overrule a law that was 100 years old in New York? That's not conservative, uh, and that almost that nobody thought to challenge until very recently. 
Um, and, and, and at the same time that, of course, you know, at least ironically, it's not some kind of logical contradiction, uh, but they are asserting that in the case of, uh, you know, abortion, states do have a tremendous amount of inherent autonomy. And on top of that, of course, the gun thing is coming right after the school shooting well, and right after Congress has again shown that they just can't do shit. This, first, this gun control thing is is pretty much a first, nothing. This legislation they're so uh, proud of. OK, three points. First, the reason they can do it with guns and not with abortion is because there's a Second Amendment that puts I understand. guns in the Constitution. I said it's not a logical. There's no, I said, there's I said, no language I said it's that puts ironic. abortion in the Constitution. Mickey, I said it's ironic, but not a logical contradiction. So save your breath on that. I'm allowed to finish my thought, okay? Well, and I'm just, I'm just saying, say, the save the trouble when you're not, when you're. When no, you said it, you, you implied that it was, the, it was some kind of contradiction. No, I said it's ironic, but not a logical contradiction. My exact words. Not a question of logic. It's a question of what's in the Constitution and what's not. The second thing is, uh, a lot will depend on what happens in New York. I mean, this is really a New York City, uh, certainly an urban-centric decision. If a bunch, I remember when I first, uh, when I first moved to uh, the city, my uh, the guy that brokered my apartment was this big liberal guy, but he had a gun, and I was like horrified at this guy. He was carrying it. He was carrying it concealed because uh, he carried around money all day. He carried rent from landlords to tenants and tenants to landlords. So he had a special so he, reason. He told you he, he got had a, a concealed weapon or you have to He got a permit. It. He showed it to me. He had a permit. Oh. He was legal. But I was shocked that he, he had the special reason to have a gun. Uh, and if now everybody can have a gun, uh, will it get safer or more dangerous? I mean, that that is a question that will be answered over the next six months unless... Uh, uh, I, th I think it will be. I don't see any way that New York New York can get around this ruling. So we'll have more guns, and we'll see what happens. And what, you know, and, so, yeah, and somebody will be right, and somebody will be wrong. No, but it won't be clear. It won't be clear. A billion other things will change at the same time. It's well, it's incredibly it's clear, naive it's to attribute whatever the trend is for the next year to this one thing. Well, we'll see if it's an if, if economy. It from, the economy's going to get worse if it jumps from ten million to. Uh, from sort of 10 murders to a thousand murders uh, committed by guys with concealed guns, that's pretty clear, right? Anyway, I mean, the question isn't There what, are some clear trends. Anyway, none of that would be, even if you could magically discern uh, what the effect is on crime, none of that would uh, impinge on the question of whether uh, it's a good thing for the Supreme Court to be uh, telling states what they can and can't do in this realm. Uh, I mean, states, states, uh, according to conservatives, have the right to make unwise I sort policies. Of wish, I sort of wish the Second Amendment weren't there, just the way I wish the Fifth Amendment weren't there. Uh, it's there, though. Yeah, but it's sufficiently so you, you ambiguous know? that it's not clear. It's You think it's clear that the Supreme Court was right here? I mean, for God's sake, George Will just wrote a column saying this ruling was bad, okay? Well. George Will. Um, can't get to the right of George Will. Uh, the well, um, that yeah, I mean uh, seriously the, though, I do think I, I I remember that it was like a I thought it, when I looked at the tried to read you know what the framers said that it was a sort of fifty fifty case whether they meant private that that private people could carry guns. Uh, so I don't think I don't think Heller was a ridiculous decision in general. I'm not a big 
gun person, so I'm I would rather it weren't there and the states could exercise gun control. On the other hand, the states disarming the state disarming everybody in the country is a pretty scary prospect too. Well, I mean, by the the well regulated what do people say the well regulated well regulated militia thing means? I mean, first of all, they're referring to individual states there, right? Not the not I forget, the but my my memory is that there was an argument that the well regulated militia meant that every time you needed a militia, you could say farmers get out your guns, show up for the militia, and they had to have the guns in their home to be able to do that. So um, uh, that that would I think that was the argument. I forget. I, I, you should, I, I'm, I'm already but, way But they are talking death. about states, individual states within the nation, not the nation state, right? The, 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 the right, you know, the, of a state. They mentioned the, the word state. Well, regulation, state militia, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, uh, the state uh, militia. Uh, the answer is I don't know. Uh, the, the third thing is you're, you're, I'm told that the, people say that the gun, the gun bill that just passed, uh, does have does have some very positive implications for uh, background checks and guns. It, it it eliminates some of the bureaucratic problems uh, involved in actually checking people. So that th- there is actual progress there. You know, it's so far from serious legislation. By the way, what the Second Amendment says is a well-regulated mis- militia being necessary to the security of a free state with state capitalized. Uh, whatever. Who knows so, what that means? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Anyway, it's um, the imagine the the counter whatever it is the whatever it is the uh, counter history whatever it's called uh, counterfactual if, counterfactual if uh, alternative history if the court had not issued Roe in seventy three we'd be a much more peaceful place we would have had debates in the legislature the the the, the right to lifers would have had their say they would have lost in most of them but won in some of them. They would have hopes for winning more next year. Likewise, if the pro-abortion people had uh, lost, they would have hopes for winning again next year. Uh, and we wouldn't have had this whole, it would be one area where like the sides are at each other at loggerheads, at increasingly violent loggerheads that would have been eliminated. The, the, the issue is, I think I talked about this before, maybe not, that um, if you, does that mean that getting rid of Roe will produce peace. I think not. I think things are too far gone now. I think uh you know the the, the uh some some legislators are going to introduce a bill I think it already has been introduced saying, you know, uh women who consider an abortion can be committed to a mental institution. <laughs> yeah. In, uh, in- it's not going to pass, but 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 people are going to go to extremes to try to get attention because that's the as you pointed out that's the social environment we live in now. Whereas if we'd had if we'd had 50 years of peaceful solution, democratic solution of the abortion dilemma, we'd be in much better shape, despite the environment of social media where everybody tries to be extreme. Yeah, I don't think I don't think things are going to get a lot more peaceful on that front. I mean, one thing I said I'm kind of worried about is if the if the Democrats make, you know, elect make it their rallying cry that we need to elect senators who will select justices who will reverse road, that there will be a counter reaction to that by Republicans. I don't know. And, and that's why I, I'd like uh, more emphasis on the rallying cry, on the guns rallying cry, like give states the right 
to regulate the carrying of guns in public. That just should seem, you know, and most to most people, I think that's uncontroversial. They would, they they would, uh, you know, and I think they should make that the big the big thing. But uh, well, I think they're both pretty big things. But uh, the, the, yeah, but, the but again, I think I think the second one evokes less of a counter. Re- it, it it it's less amenable to the Republicans using you're saying that to drive their people to the polls. That's my argument. Is that uh, if there are if, a lot of pro gun people? I mean, the Democrats haven't pushed this issue for years because they lost West Virginia because of the gun issue. So, uh, how, so yeah, but, the Democrats have been terrified of the pro-gun populace. The other thing is Roe uh, puts it back in the hands of the state legislature. So there will be fights in the state legislature. So the Democratic Party up and down the line will have an argument, vote for us. Uh, the, the, the gun decision yeah. takes it out of the hands of the state legislature. So electing a state Democratic state legislator isn't gonna do you any good. All the focus has to be at the top on the Supreme Court, and that's a that's a fight we've you know we've had those sorts of fights for decades and decades, and it's not clear that this gives the Democrats that much more leverage. It's true yeah. that it's slightly in some guises it may put the law and order issue on their side, which is a big deal. I I just mean I think there are a whole lot of people who are pro gun and exercised about the gun thing up to a point, but don't really want to carry one to their Walmart. Like they want to have the gun, they want to be able to go hunting, they want to have it in their house, want to go to the the shooting range. They don't need to carry it, to and Walmart. they don't want other people to have it. And then they Walmart. may not. They actually may not want other people carrying it. Well, that's the big issue. The I mean, in fact, is, some of them may be white people who don't want black people carrying them around. Well, that's a huge sleeper issue that's wildly underestimated by the NRA, uh, which uh, which is that black people with guns terrify white people. Right. So. Uh, if, it, if, it, if a decision, if the NRA equally enforces the right to the Second Amendment, which they have to do because that's the right thing to do, there are going to be a lot of people carrying guns that white people don't want to carry guns. And it's, it's a big emotional sort of undercurrent issue that is mm. never addressed, except right. uh, one can talk about it in podcasts. And you see a guy, oh. you know, 100 yards from your house and he's got a gun. You can't you can't call the police. Is that what Americans want? No, I think if you see the gun, you can call the police. No, you can't. If guns, if anyone's allowed to carry a gun, I, I do you think this applied to unconcealed open carry? I too? believe, man, yeah, I do. I do. I believe it huh. applied to both. I didn't know that. Um, I mean, the actual, you know, the actual case involved concealed carry. But I think, as I, yeah, but I think the ruling uh, applies to both. I mean, in Texas, what you have is open carry, right? Well, that's Texas. But uh, I, but I'm sure there's, I'm sure New York has both. I mean, if, if they're black people marching through through uh, the west side of Los Angeles openly carrying guns, <laughs> that's going to have a political effect. Well, you know, I mean, the Black Panthers. I, I mean, I guess the gun laws in California were amenable to this. They used to follow cops around carrying guns because the law allowed it. They just openly carried guns and followed cops around, you know, to, uh, to they just said, we're keeping an eye on you. And, and I think at that point, there was nothing cops could do about it. I think they changed the law, probably. I don't know. Um, this, well, I, um, I'm soft on the Black Panthers, too. 
I know you are. You've always spoken very. I've stopped on the Panthers and the Proud Boys. What can I say? Yeah. Um, so um, let's see what else is going on. Um, Ukraine. A whole lot of what stuff. else is there? What the July the January, January six hearings have been more effective than expected. Everybody agrees with that, and, and pretty much everybody agrees with the reason, which is it's a completely one sided hearing where not only have they presented you know the sliver of facts that seems most damning to people who haven't looked at the whole picture but also they've gotten rid of the whole hazarai of congressional hearings where you waste time with democrats arguing with republicans and democrat and the other side you know filibustering and asking stupid questions and yelling at each other and everything taking five times as long as it should take uh, they've narrowed it down and uh, it turns out if you actually run congressional hearings rationally, it's a much more effective way of conveying information than uh, that if you run them the traditional way. So, Well, the, the counter argument uh, from kind of your side would be, yeah, but you get a less balanced picture of. Well, I think you do. It's yeah. a totally unbalanced picture for you know, two, uh, two recent examples. Uh, one from the last few days that Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson, who happens to be the most endangered Republican in the Senate, that he gave a folder of fake electors to the vice president. And it turns out that if you look at the what really happened, uh, it's a little more muddled than that. Somebody called Johnson's staff and said, you gotta get these fake electors to the vice president. And they called the vice president's office and they, the vice president's office said, we already know about those fake electors. Don't send the letter. You can't send an un, uninspected letter to the vice president. It could have a weapon in it or, you know, some anthrax or something. You just can't do it. Don't do it. And then he didn't do it. He backed down. So his staff backed down. It's not clear he ever knew all this was happening. So um, it's just a much more muddled picture. Same with uh, Trump and you have to give me 11,000. All I need is 11,000 votes. That was in a call where he had run down all the areas where he thought votes had been stolen from it. So, you know, in Fulton County, there's this problem and, and Raffensperger sort of pledged to knock all those down, but it wasn't just like pick 11,000 votes at random. Obviously he wants to overturn the election. I mean, duh. But, but Trump cited the number he needed to overturn the election and said, that's how many votes I need, right? Right, but it's like he's, he's making explicit what everybody understood. You don't think... Gore in Florida, if he asked for a recount, he only needed so many votes. Everybody knew how many votes he needed. He didn't have to say it. He wasn't stupid enough to say it. Okay. Trump was trying to put the arm in him a bit. It's not a good thing to do, but it's not like it's not like he's saying, by hook or by crook, give me 11,000 votes. Well, he's saying, that, that here's really... 100,000 questionable votes. All I need are 11,000. That's a little better. No. If you listen to the conversation, there's a very strong hooker-crook vibe. I mean, come on. Raffensperger says, no, I can send you a link that will show you that you're wrong about this number of votes. Trump says, don't send me the link. I don't want to see the link. You know, he's like, I just need this many votes. It's very much a hook or crook case. Okay, that's a good point. But uh, they did agree to have their staffs go over it case by case after the phone call. Um, it's look, Trump. That that raises the issue of whether Trump 
obviously what Trump did was bad, very bad, very, very bad. But uh, the question is, was it, should Merrick Garland now indict him? And I tend to, I tend to think that uh, that's really a quagmire that he shouldn't get involved in. No, I don't uh, think he should not. I think that's, uh, for, you know, it's like, if he invites him, if he indicts him and he doesn't, convict him that's one kind of bad outcome <laughs> and if he indicts him and convicts him that's another kind of bad outcome i mean right. i i just so what are it, the democrats it, thinking why are they well, doing you know it's funny i was just listening to this uh this uh david rothkoff podcast you know he's they they often they talk about foreign policy and it's like blob central and like rothkoff is one of these guys like drive the russians out of ukraine you know and on this subject, he's saying, like, indict, indict, indict Trump. And they're the same in both cases. He's just not asking himself, well, what are the consequences? How does this play out? What do you think happens in America right now if you put in prison, you know, a guy with this huge ardent following who is planning to run for president? Some people, many of whom, by the way, have guns, for better or worse, are going to consider that a political prisoner. Uh, it's just not what America needs right now, any more than it needs to put Vladimir Putin, who has nuclear weapons, in a situation that he considers an existential threat to his regime. It's it's also incredibly banana republicly to put your predecessor in jail. Yeah, uh, and it also it also will have a you know every, a, a chilling effect on things that are constitutional rights. I mean, every every election probably. That's close. The loser thinks he was cheated. Okay, we've had a, some, a bunch of close elections. The loser claims the system is rigged. Nobody can really prove the system is rigged or not. The left thinks Russia changed the vote totals in counties in Pennsylvania. You can't ever really prove that that didn't happen. Okay, Trump thinks there are some other shenanigans involving mail-in ballots uh, dropped in drop boxes in the middle of the night. You can't ever prove that that didn't happen. So he's gonna, you know, and. And and we're now making it so that he's allowed to contest it. You know, sometimes the contestant will be right. He's allowed to contest it, but at a certain point, it goes from being what every candidate does to a federal crime. I mean, what uh, what what can what campaign lawyer is going to say, Mr. President, you lost ever again because the candidate's going to say you're fired. You're you're setting me up for a crime if I do anything now after you've told me this to to to, to say to contest the vote. It looks like I'm defying the law. I knew it was illegal. I mean, it just, I don't know. I it mean, has all sorts of unintended consequences. I, that seems idea. to me like a pretty third order one. I, I, I just think, I mean, people with a Trump are reluctant to tell him that anyway, because Trump's the kind of guy who'll fire you if you, you know, he's just that, he's a thug. Uh, but um, well, regardless of whether he did go to jail for this, what? They did tell him that, but there were only like 14 more days left in the administration. Right. So. The, uh, but I just think it's obviously so incendiary in America right now to uh, to indict Trump. I mean, I'm sorry I can't sound more principled than that, but uh, you know, it's a strictly pragmatic consideration. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked into it enough to know whether I think he's actually legitimately indictable. He's definitely impeachable. He definitely did impeachable things. Well, it does. It, it does. In in the actual criminal law, it depends on his on whether he thought he was violating the law, whether he thought whether he thought that, you know, whether he actually if he actually thought that the election was stolen. I don't think there is a rule in the law that if you if you have, uh, 
you know, you knew or should have known that the, that you lost the election. If he actually thinks, for whatever reason, that uh, that you lost that he that he the election was stolen, uh, he can go ahead and do what he wants, and it's not a crime. Uh, it, 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 under these vague conspiracy things, obviously, if he bribes somebody, then it's a crime. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, and um, uh, there is there is one doctrine that says uh, if you willfully ignore every possible source of information that would tell you you're wrong, you go out of your way saying, "Bar, don't talk, shut up, leave the room before you can tell me I lost." Mm-hmm. Then 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 maybe you can get a conviction. Jack Goldsmith. The famous yeah. Jack Goldsmith wrote a piece, wrote a very times. good piece where he outlined how hard it was. To me, the hard issue is, is I was against impeaching Trump because uh, at the last minute, the second impeachment, even though what he did was totally impeachable, uh, but because you know he wasn't going to be president in a week, so uh, th- there would be no president to remove. And uh, Judge Luddick wrote a piece saying that, and and w- the other argument was you can always charge him with a crime if he commits a crime. But now we're saying, no, it's a bad idea to charge him with a crime. So does that mean that in the last week of his administration, a president has sort of a free license to commit crimes because everybody's going to say, you can't imprison a former president later on. And I think the well, argument- that's not quite what I'm saying, but go ahead. But I think, and I'm saying that's what you're saying. I'm saying yeah. it's a dilemma in what, what I have said. And uh, I think the argument that has to be that it has to be a pretty fucking big crime to indict a president for what he does in the last week. So I guess he has, I a, li- he has a license to, be, to commit little petty crimes. I think it should be a pretty clear-cut case if you're going to indict a president. Uh, but but especially in, yeah. in the modern, in the current uh, political environment, I would tread carefully, and I think I think Garland probably is. Um, yeah, and it, I, we basically agree. I mean, clear-cut so, crime or major uh, crime. I mean, what else? There's... Uh, uh, so anyway, quickly to, to finish on this. So you're saying, uh, is there actually evidence that this is working with the public from the Democrats' point of view? That, that public opinion is moving or no, anything? No, and that's what the only evidence is how well that I've seen is how well Ron DeSantis is doing in New Hampshire. Uh, they, there was a uh. poll. This is this is the earthquake in 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 public opinion since we last talked. There's a poll in New Hampshire early primary state uh, where voters are sort of professional voters up there, uh, where DeSantis was not only ahead of Trump, but DeSantis beat Biden and Trump loses to Biden. So uh, that's a huge downgrade in Trump's popularity. Why this huge downgrade? One obvious explanation is the January 6th hearings. And I have readers who said, God, that guy from Arizona really got to me, or God, those poll workers really got to me. So there are obviously some people who, these are not anti-Trump people, who, uh, there are some people who were affected. Uh, But I haven't seen a poll that actually measured how much impact the six had, but it's possible that it's having a big impact. It could also be kind of a slow, uh, you know, slow impact. I mean, you know, you, you've got your kind of opinion leaders, your relatively more informed people paying attention. And over time, they talk to people and, and, and right. things change. You never know. Right. Um, uh, and, and, I, and I am somebody who thought it would be ignored. So uh, yeah, I think I was at least a little wrong about that. Um, so uh, luckily, luckily, it won't propel Lynn Cheney to victory in her congressional race. 
but I bet it prompts her to run for president. You think? Every, uh, my, the rule is the default position is everybody's running for president unless something actually stops them. Speaking of presidential candidates, how about Van Jones? I, each week I bring up a new idea for somebody other than Biden or Kamala Harris. How Van about Jones that? is a very, very good idea. He's a very smart man uh, and a very articulate man. He has a little bit of, and the, the, the secret to Van Jones is that his wife works for the LA school system where the job is to fire teachers who are in the teachers unions. So right. she has her, her she, job is to her fire. job is her job is to oppose the union. So basically, so he, he's not going to have any illusions. So he's, about, got, he's got a built in sister soldier moment. He's got a built in uh, reality check on the power of organized labor uh, and reality check on democratic dogma. He's a Democrat, but the other pro the other. No, that's why I call the other problem. I just mean it's counter, you know, it's counter. Yeah, but he's not going to, he's not about to attack organized labor. I mean, no, but uh, anyway, the other, the other moment, the reason why, you know, he came up with the idea of green jobs. He's a very inventive guy. Uh, that's why he got a job in the Obama administration. He had to leave the Obama administration because it came out that he had signed a petition that seemed to endorse 9-11 trutherism. And he had done that, and he is, you know, he, he, um, he, he had a long talk at the time with his close friend Ariana Huffington, uh, who was totally on his side. And she wrote her conclusion was he never should have signed that damn petition. Okay, he has since crafted an elaborate story about how he didn't really sign the petition. He just waved at somebody in the crowd who took that as a signal that he would sign. Uh, I think that's a bunch of bullshit. So, what does the petition say exactly? It implied that uh, endorsement of uh, that 9-11 was, you know, that they knew it was going to happen or that it was a, it's just some form of 9-11 trutherism. Hmm. Uh, it was a crazy, he was in a, he was in a rally that was co-sponsored with some crazy left-wing groups. And so they, they circulated a petition that had some crazy left-wing things in it and he signed it. That, you know, he should have read it more carefully. But that's a potential bit of But I do think it. he's a very effective orator. I think he's a better orator than Obama. Um, oh, I've better. always been very impressed by him. And and he says a oh. lot of just kind of sensible things. And he has a way, he has a way of, 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 of saying things that appeal to his base without alienating people who aren't in his base. You know what I mean? Um, I agree with that. I agree with all he, of that. He's he not is. a polarizing figure. I, I, I he, I'm sure you can find things he said to piss off the right, but he, he it, strikes me as not a very polarizing figure. Obama was a great orator on occasion, but he was a bad salesman. Those are two different skills. In other words, he could give he could give a speech that made you proud to be an American. He could give a speech. His election night speech after he won was one of the most eloquent speeches I've ever heard, and and and. Even people on the right were sort of impressed by his funeral speeches after some of these massacres, but um, but he was very bad at selling Americans on you got to do this. And Reagan and Clinton were pretty good at this. And I think Van Jones would be better than Obama at that. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, the um, uh, there was the the more you thought about it, if you look at the governors. And there was a list of governors in Politico. There was one of these big mentioning speeches about which Democratic governors could step in 
mm-hmm. if Biden uh, doesn't run. And, you know, Jay Pritzker or Gavin Newsom, I just think those are very unappealing people. Th- there's this guy Cooper in, I think, Kentucky, wherever he is, that it's a Trump state. He won. That automatically makes him appealing. I know, know nothing about him. Uh, uh, the I'm sorry. It, it, it is a crazy conclusion to reach, but potentially the most appealing one is Stacey Abrams. What can good. I say? She's good. Uh, I mean, she's I she's th- she's thin on the experience. You know, it's a she's thin not resume. Thin. No, she's it's a thin resume. <laughs> a thin resume. The thin resume, and if she wins the election for governor, she would have to start running for president immediately. Which and that a, always looks re- fishy. Which right. always looks totally fishy. So, um, uh, that's no problem. She's good. She has the same. She has the same problem as JD Vance, which is if he wins, and he wants to be president, he has to run. Start to run immediately, but it's easier for a senator than even a governor who governor has actual responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So, but in terms of who else is there, I mean, it's just not. Wait, what office has There's Abrams? Mur- Murphy in New Jersey, your governor, is on the list. Well, and Murphy in Connecticut is mentioned, although according to David Korn, he sincerely says he doesn't, he's not interested. I'm not, uh, yeah, I don't know that much about, is it Phil Murphy, my governor? You'd think I'd know. Yes, he almost lost in a race that should have been a layup. So that's. I know that he has crossed swords with George Norcross, the quote, political boss of South Jersey, and I'm in favor of crossing swords with George Norcross. As long as somebody else does. not not every governor has, God knows, including Chris Christie, who should have since he's a Republican and Norcross is a Democrat. Um, yeah, there are people who cross swords with Norcross and live to regret it, aren't there? Or well, lived is misleading, but they regretted it. Or no, they didn't. <laughs> Never mind. I'm just getting deeper and deeper. Yeah. The, Legal um, trouble. So, um, let's see. I, I have one point to make about the Republican side. Yeah, everybody is. Everybody is extremely happy that DeSantis seems to be beating Trump. Two mm-hmm. points. First, the problem which people are just starting to realize is he not only has to beat Trump, he has to get Trump to endorse him, which is a much tougher, uh, much tougher. Close thing to, to impossible, do. I would say. If he actually, I don't think it's close. It, it just started to look plausible to me. Like suppose they go to New Hampshire, okay? Trump runs in New Hampshire, or he gets right up against it, and. DeSantis is beating him by 10, 20 points, okay? In the first three states, Trump loses to DeSantis. Does he really launch a vendetta campaign as an independent or refuse to endorse DeSantis? I don't think so. I think there's some has to be some face-saving way to well, what pull out is, before that happens. What reward does he get for being a good boy? Why? Well, the, the, the reward I thought of is uh, a job for Ivanka, and the most obvious uh-huh. job... The most obvious job would be Ron DeSantis somehow gets to appoint Ivanka senator from Florida. Uh, now that requires removing one of the two I existing say, senators I from say, Florida. So I it's say, a little difficult. And it I looks say, like a deal, would smell like a deal. I say Secretary of State or Defense. That's I, I want to see Ivanka really having some sway in the world. You know, <laughs> that's uh, that's what I'm shooting for if I'm Donald Trump. Ivanka for Secretary of State. You know, he seated her next to Angela Merkel, and I'm sure she picked up a few tips there. What's the Don Corleone speech? Senator Ivanka, President Ivanka. Yeah. Um, Um, uh, And the third, the third, the the second point is everybody's overlooking the fact that DeSantis seems to have no sense of humor. 
He's not appealing. He's not appealing the way this was pointed out to be by uh, Ed Martin, who's a a, a uh, populist Trumper uh, who I was on his radio show, and he said, "Look, uh, DeSantis does not can't go toe to toe with Trump because Trump is just a much more likable guy in a face to face, you know, in a face to he's just going on personality." Trump can tell a joke. He can make fun of himself. He can make fun of you. The Senate's can make fun of you and be tough, but he can't do the other thing. Uh, I have an easier time recalling times when Trump has uh, made fun of other people than times he's made fun of himself. But uh, can you think of a time he's made fun of there, himself? There are some times when he, you know, yeah, when he I just mean, that none spring to mind. Well, the time he said, "Can you believe I'm losing to Joe Biden?" <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, but that is a that's a, a double-edged sword. I mean, that's making well, the, fun of Joe, Joe Biden give, more than you him. Gotta, you got to give him a double edge. But uh, I, I, yes, I do think he he is capable of some sort of self, even if it's fake self-deprecation. He's capable of some some self-deprecation at some level. Uh, so, um, I mean, it's just DeSantis just seems all business. Yeah, I don't know that much about him. I, I, I don't. It's not like I welcome him to saying his presidency. You know, it's one of those classic things where there's a little bit of you that hopes Trump will get the nomination because he'd be easier to defeat in principle. But be careful what you wish for. So I don't, I don't have any preferences. Now you, we're gonna have to go soon. I mean, Ukraine is still happening. Um, the, uh, and I guess. Uh, Good news uh, for Ukraine since last week, as I had said that uh, they were running out of ammunition for their Soviet-era weapons. Uh, apparently, a couple of Eastern European countries have uh, cranked up their factories for making 152-millimeter artillery shells. So I guess that's good. The bad news is it's becoming clearer that you know they're not winning in the Donbass, at least for the time being, abandoning Severodonetsk. Uh, for a while, it had looked like they were going to at least spend some time in the the sister city there. Uh, what's it? Uh, Lisa Chansk or something like that. But it looks like, but because the Russians wouldn't be able to cross the river between the two, but it looks like now the Russians have found a way around that and they're approaching from the south. Uh, the, the Ukrainians also abandoned a smaller pocket near there under Russian pressure. So, uh, you know, for the, it's like, uh, you know, the narrative has pretty clearly changed um, as it started doing a couple of weeks ago. But it's uh, the Ukrainians are on their heels. And I don't think we know exactly how exhausted the Russian troops are. Um, the Institute for the Study of War continues to assert that they are and that, you know, uh, we'll see the signs of that soon. But. I thought the Institute for the Study of War has now shifted in a Ukraine is losing direction. Well, they have to acknowledge the, some degree of reality. But um, you I know, this, they is even, this, this is think they tank even, I wrote about. Uh, people can Google it in, in my newsletter. The uh, you know uh, funded by the usual suspects uh, has you know kind of a neocon roots, and its job is to right now to provide these daily analyses that the U.S. media relies heavily on that are, you know, almost as if they were press releases uh, written by the Ukrainian government. And 
and uh, but but no, but they're, they're still managing to put as positive as possible a spin. I mean, what the, the game has always been, they have to acknowledge obvious bad news. And then beyond that, they put the most positive possible spin on it. And they're continuing to do that. It's just that there's more bad news for them to acknowledge. I thought recently I saw an article where they went ahead of uh, admitting only the obvious bad news and actually said uh, that t- future tides were shifting against Ukraine in, in various ways that may not have been accurate about ammo and, and uh, attrition and casualties, et cetera. Um, well, the, one thing the, that's what, happened, one weird thing that's happened is, you know, both of these radically different narratives, pre, pre-pivot and post-pivot, are used to argue for the urgency of giving Ukraine more weapons. You got to give us more weapons because we really can push the Russians out of Ukraine. And now that you got to give us weapons because we're on our heels. And and I and I don't know. So I guess. Well, there there was, but there is a there is a line that uh, that would have been counterproductive to Ukraine that they didn't take, which is at the beginning to say this is hopeless. Ukraine shouldn't wage this war. It's pointless for us to get in the fight with them, uh, and uh, in a fight on their side. And they didn't do that. So there is a. There's a time when there is, you know, there, there it, it would have been hard to turn that into an argument for giving arms to Ukraine, that they have no chance. Um, I'm I mean, not sure I followed that. But. There's, a reason, there's a reason why the neocons were, hey, Ukraine is winning, and now there's, hey, Ukraine's on the ropes. They're both, that is a strategy designed to maximize aid to Ukraine. Yeah, I guess uh, the worst thing to say is, eh, things are going okay. I'm sorry. You know, yeah, it's a war of attrition. It'll last forever. We're going to be living it for with it for the rest of our lives. I mean, you uh, know, there yeah. is there is the possibility that as more of these Western weapons uh, enter the arsenal and they master them and get them to the front, that you will see I, a changing of the tide. I, but but it, yeah, I don't quite understand. They got seven artillery pieces from Russia and five from Holland. They probably have incompatible systems. They have to train their people on each weapon system. Only for seven guns? I mean, don't yeah, they no, need it's, like a, it's a problem. Don't they now, need like 150 guns? Well, America is giving them about that many howitzers. Yeah, okay. But but you're right. A lot of it is coming in more of a piecemeal way. But I'll tell you the numbers I've heard in turn there, you know, more than one credible person has said that the that the ratio of shells launched, artillery shells between Russia and Ukraine is like 10 to 1, 20 to 1. I heard that the Russians. Uh, these Russians with attitude guys said said that they had heard the Russians were uh, were using a hundred thousand artillery shells a day. I mean, <laughs> Ukraine. I, I can't. I, I really can't believe that's true. But the most conservative account is that the Russians have a three to one, four to one advantage uh, in artillery shells. And if that if that doesn't change, you know, pretty soon. Um, you know, if something doesn't change pretty soon, then the Russians are going to have, uh, you know, they get, they should have Luhansk, I, I would think, within days, because uh, all that's left is the aforementioned two cities. Uh, and once they're at that point, if the momentum continues at the current pace, they could be, you know, just weeks away from the province of Donetsk. And those are the two that Putin set out to get. If you want to see the silver lining, I would say it's that once he's got those two, that's the first time the first point at which you can realistically expect him to want to talk ceasefire, enduring peace. Now, convincing the Ukrainians and Americans to uh, settle for a peace deal where Russia is not completely driven out of the country is a 
another question, but I think that's what needs to start happening is people start I getting don't, realistic. I don't think it'll be difficult to convince Americans. It might be hard to convince the Ukrainian lobby. Well, the American opinion leaders, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the, the the kind of Michael McFalls of the world who dominate MSNBC, a lot of them, um, you know, you are are going to be hard to sell, I think. But uh, and 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 look, for that matter, I think there are a lot of Ukrainians. That's a pretty persistent caller you got there. Does your phone ever just say, "Okay, look, I'm we're not here"? It's up. Uh... It just stopped. Okay. It's probably the police calling to say that there is somebody an army with a gun. of people, army of people with oh my guns God. moving through city through the city. So it started again. There's somebody like who really wants to get in touch with. I you. can't hear it through my headphones. So okay. Sorry well, if you can. Um, um, the uh, uh, there's one wrinkle which is uh, supposedly Russia has is so pressed for troops that it's pulled some some of its military force out of Syria. And Turkey is taking advantage of it to invade Syria in its pursuit of the Kurds. And, so, you know, my reaction to all this is I don't care. Uh, you know, so what if Russia has or hasn't more power in Syria or the Turks have? I mean, the Kurds always get screwed, but they can defend themselves. Uh, it, it just um, but that is happening. Well, Turkey is also trying to use the leverage of letting Sweden and Finland into NATO to to get the Americans to give them more leeway in Syria to screw over the Kurds. So the Kurds are getting it coming and going. Um, that that's getting less discussion. I mean, the thing that's more discussed is that is that Turkey's trying to use its leverage to get. I, I guess it's Sweden more than Finland, maybe, to quit giving a soapbox to these Kurdish separatists who are there in Sweden. Um, but uh, but they're also trying to get what they can. Uh, out of Syria, I had a I had Josh Landis on my podcast, and he talked about that. The um, now should I, I should I uh, save my weekly complaint about media bias uh, about Ukraine for the parrot room? How how are we on time here? I th- I, I, I don't know. Fifty nine minutes. Fifty nine minutes. We should we should head off into the sunset, especially since you know what we need to commemorate Mickey. Uh, the uh, Juneteenth, Mark Shields' death. Well, we need we can talk about Mark Shields' death in the. Uh, Parrot room or Juneteenth, if you want. I I I have a I have a little controversy about Juneteenth too. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, um, the uh if people are watching on YouTube and they uh look up and see that blogging heads logo at the top of the channel, uh take a good look, folks. Cause uh the 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 long awaited rebranding is happening. It's gonna it's gonna say non-zero next week. Um and, and to commemorate this. Uh, bittersweet passage. Um, you and I had a, a conversation with David Korn that will air eventually. I, I've been having conversations with a series of people who are early blogging heads, and they it was pre- it was it was pretty lively with David. The, the part I was in, yeah. Well, you should have seen the part before you showed up. I assume you were saying nice things about me. Uh, we, you, you'll be disappointed to hear that we didn't say much about you, but. Uh, when he was talking about McCarthyism in the 50s, you know, being the first in a series of uh, kind of Republican sins of that kind. And I said, well, you know what your the reply would be from the other side about McCarthyism. And he said, no, what? And I said, well, Russiagate, they would say that that had a little bit of the same spirit in it, like kind of trying to paint Trump as 
you know, pro-Russian tool, blah, blah, blah. That that got that got David energized. There was there was some, really? energy. Okay. There oh, was some energy coming out of him after that. Oh, yeah. good. Okay. Um, uh, but congratulations. The um, yeah, he seemed to be say, he 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 kept saying he seemed to be trying to get to the sentence. But you voted for Trump twice as often as possible. Well, I try to get to that sentence frequently. I, I um, um, but anyway, I've got um, I have one ass covering disclaimer. But do your thing. No, just going to say we started you and I and and uh, tech genius Greg Dingle started blogging heads in two thousand five, and uh, a lot of amazing stuff in the archive. It is impressive what you and Dingle do did because nobody had done the technical part of it yet, where you could get two people talking to each other. Now it's you know, it's like breathing. It happens all the time. But uh, well, but Dingle I, especially figured out a way to do it right under well, your guidance. I, I had the idea of. Uh, I mean, I remember when I had the idea. I mean, people know, see, this is like before broadband was common. So you couldn't, it wasn't like this where we could see each other while we're talking. And, and what I realized was, uh, I mean, nobody, I hadn't heard of Skype or anything. What I realized was if you could just have a phone call with somebody and each of you had a camcorder, this is pre-webcam, um, at least as a built-in thing in laptops, um, uh, had a camcorder that was recording the audio video you're in, and then uh, you could splice those together somehow. And then Greg came up with this very automated way of just you upload the two to the server, and then it was pretty straightforward. I mean, there was human intervention, but uh, but yeah, that was the and Greg did a lot of things that made it doable because there was you know I didn't really have any money to spend on it to speak of, and I did the I did the production and stuff every. Uh, but he made it very simple and straightforward. Then he went to Facebook and made, uh, I think, a bunch of, you know, I think he did okay on the, <laughs> the stock options. Um, and he's living in France now. Um, uh, much younger than you and I, and yet I believe retired. Uh, um, so anyway. He's not working on the metaverse? Uh, he's not at Facebook anymore. Uh, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh. All of the archives will be available at the Blogging His TV URL. And for some time now, these will appear there too. I mean, most people watch the video as opposed to the podcast, uh, watch it on YouTube. But uh, there is a group of kind of longtime dedicated commenters on the Blogging Hits site. And they uh, would like to continue, I gather, to have a reason to gather. But for that reason, among others, I mean, the videos will still, even the new videos will be there. But but more than that, if you just go there and click the archives, they, they go back to 2005. I mean, I hesitate to, to give people the way to go see how much I've aged, but it's why there. Don't they, why don't they go back to 2002? When did we start it? 2005. We started in 2005. November really? 2005, yeah. And then... Uh, and then a series of people joined by February. We had had, so the first one um, was Eric Umansky, then Matt Iglesias by February, within within like uh, three months, you know, it was like David Korn, Jonah Goldberg, Byron York. Um, Wasn't the first one you and me, Bob? Oh, the first, the first dozen were you and me. Okay. Then we started, we were doing a couple of weeks. And and then we started branching out and inviting uh, various people. Um, uh, 
who do who you should post pictures of all these people in their youth. <laughs> it would be embarrassed. It would be embarrassing for all concerned. Some of some have held up pretty well. You've held up okay, better than me. Congratulations. Mm, I'm not so sure. Um, uh, the um. So my, can I can I give my self preservative disclaimer? Mm, yeah. I, I don't think it's a good idea to pass a law banning sex. Okay, I'm just saying <laughs> that in a democracy, heterosexual sex or homosexual sex or any kind of sex, uh, in a democracy, legislators can do bad things, and it's the job of the voters to stop it. The Supreme Court is it's not the job to second guess and correct uh, even egregious all egregious legislative decisions. Sometimes they're going to pass a law that's so egregious that there's people are going to, you know, be on the verge of revolution and that's how it's going to be resolved. But um, uh, the court can't think, do everything. I think with only modest editing of what you said in this video, we can get a clip of you saying, and it is the job of legislatures to ban homosexuality. I think we can get that out of this. It's just a little splicing of what you said earlier with this. Maybe I if I be- if I add the word hygiene, you can... Splice that word in there too. Yeah, uh, we can get that. We can do that full, for you. I mean, actually, the, f- the first clip we don't need to splice, man. That first clip is gold. That is solid. First, that is so great. First, that this is the last blogging heads per se, because it's a <laughs> career ender for you. Get the first. Was it Colonel Batguana who who thought our bodily fluids were being sapped? I forget the name. Precious bodily it, fluids. I know that. <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, well, I get the Colonel Batguano Award. So this was the perfect ending blogging heads. I got, I rate at the beginning, as I used to do on blogging heads, as we were famous for doing, I was famous for doing, and you uh, ended your career. So that's great. That's all. Uh, it's win-win. I'm the Kenny of blogging heads. The what? On South Park, isn't there a character they kill every week? Oh, I don't know. I, uh, I was. They, I, I, think, I think the character is Kenny, and so I get canceled every week. Okay, well you're you're good at what you do. So we'll we'll see people in the parrot room, which we're about to go to uh, patreon.com slash parrot room. Wait, what else are we gonna talk about the parrot room? Um, so we mentioned a couple of things. Uh, 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 I, I I had promised last week in the parrot room to roll out my killer argument against the what is it? Nick Ostroff is that his name? The guy with the simula- uh, simulation argument. The Ostrom, Ostrom, I think. Ostrom, I got. The, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow him away. I, I got to. That, he's his already argument, blown away. You don't even know how to pronounce his name. Well, that was, yeah, that was a power play. But this is an actual refutation of the argument. Uh, we'll talk about other stuff. We have, show Undone that I uh, want to compare and contrast with uh, everything. There's a whole lot everywhere. of stuff. There's, yeah. um, uh, I have Juneteenth. Uh, uh, there's, um, I have this theory that we're all the Beatles now. I'll explain that to you. Mm. Uh, uh, there's a sort of a crucial test for Brexit coming up. You probably didn't even know that. Um, I think there's a wrinkle. I, I have a prediction about the lab leak hypothesis that uh, that you will think is extreme and hate. Mm. Um, uh, there's the Buzz Lightyear, Lightyear disaster. The Buzz Lightyear? Oh, There's a movie oh, called yeah. Lightyear go, by Disney, go, and it's, it's uh, bombing. It's bombing. Bombing. And it's woke. Is that what you're going to say? Well, the argument is, is, is it bombing because it's woke? Mm. Uh, there. Uh, do I have a lot to say about Mark Shields? We'll see. 
and uh, and there's a and there's are we impressed with the the with the new Ben Smith venture semaphore? Oh, is that now out? We know what they're doing. No, but it's it's out incredibly soon, and, and it's going to start as an email newsletter. Uh, they seem to be emulating my friend Richard Rushfield at the Ankler, but um, uh, I uh, anyway. he outlined he outlined any his so called innovations. Mm. Which are innovations, but I don't know if. Uh, okay, uh, maybe I'll try to bone up on that in between now and then, and then uh, Ukraine-related media bias and maybe more Ukraine chatter uh, generally. Um, There's some immigration news. Mm -hmm. Yum uh, yum. Uh, I knew you were waiting for that, and uh, I don't know. At some point, we should talk about. Don't doesn't speaking of things the legislature can do doesn't government need to intervene to stop and or regulate artificial intelligence hmm. AI I mean, regulation maybe we'll do a, a bone saw golf circuit update uh that's the uh is know. that the is that the unofficial name for the liv tour the bone it's saw the one tour? i'm trying to give it i'm trying it's my I, I i you know if it catches on i get full credit i'm trying to i'm trying that's, to it's good, right? Bonesaw that's, Golf Circuit, BGC. Good. That's much better. It's better than the word I tried to launch this week, which is organizations that were wrecked by wokeism were roked. W-R-O-K-E-D. Isn't mm. that genius, Bob? They were roked. Can't Your believe organization it was roked. I'm shocked it didn't become famous, Mickey. That was The, the night is young, Bob. Yeah, and no, I'm not giving up. It's a sleeper. Yeah, you never know when you're close to the tipping point, Mickey. Keep it going. So, uh, in, <laughs> I love the, the condescension of that remark was just wonderfully delicious. Uh, that was a ref. That was actually a reference to early '60s TV. The keep it going. It oh, was right. uh, on the Dick Van Dyke show. It was an early appearance by what was his name? Was it Gibson? The guy on who on Laugh In played the Nazi and said very Artie, interesting. Artie, Artie Gibson. Artie Gibson. Artie, yeah. He did a he did a he did a poem called uh, "Keep It Going." <laughs> if it rains, and maybe that's a good way to play us out of the final blogging heads and, and toward patreon.com slash parrot room is if I just do a little bit of keep it going. It was if it rains or if it shines, keep it going. And it went on like that. Keep it going. Keep it going. And we will see you there.